everybody, and welcome once again to the Ringing Ear Podcast, the show about music, brought to you by a couple of former record store geeks. The Ringing Ear Podcast is sponsored by KillBoringMusic.com. That's KillBoringMusic.com, your ally in the crusade against boring music. I'm Joby. That's Jeff. He's a critic. I'm a fan. And today we're going to be talking about the year 1995, our picks from then and now and how our tastes have changed or not over the years. Songs from KMFDM, Fu Manchu, and a lot more. We also have new music from Mogwai and Pompoko. We're going to have Mouth Breather in the Unsigned Artist Spotlight, all in our ongoing effort to help steer you away from the darkness and into the light. Because remind me once again, Jeffrey Robinette Nail, what do we do with boring music? I'm going to do this as much like the characters I can. As if. <laughs> that's, that's all I have written down for 1995. As if. What what character is this? Uh, what was that? I hate Clueless. That's a stupid, stupid movie. People oh. love it. Oh, it's Cher. It's that's her name. Cher. Right? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is episode 402. For those of you scoring at home, may have to amend that later. But for now, we're going with 402. Yeah. Um, and Jeff, we 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 talked about this earlier that uh, sometimes hearing uh, hearing something out loud just makes it more real. And saying season, f- thank you, Alistair, Alistair on the guitar, everybody. Uh, hearing the word season four is a little bit surreal. How does it? How does it feel? Does it feel to you like we've been doing this for, well, going on four seasons now? It, you know, in a way, it does, I guess. Uh, but it'd be only because I can't really remember much about when we very first started. Yeah, it was kind of a blur. Yeah. Well, it was a blur when we started. We were we were doing an episode a week. Can you believe oh, that? For two years. Yeah. We did it. I mean, we didn't do it every 52, but we did a good portion of the year. We had episode every week. Yeah. Yeah. When we were recording, we were recording once a week. It was insane. Yeah. Yeah. What it's it's crazy how the time goes by. You want to hear something else scary? I realized, of course, this is even scarier for you because you're a few years older than me. But I started doing the math on my age because I'm going to be 44 in April, and I started to think, oh, my God, I'm going to be a senior citizen in 11 years. Wow, that's weird. <laughs> 55. I'm going to be 55 in 11 years. That doesn't seem possible. So you want to talk about the, the how quick time goes, just to put that in your pipe. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, and speaking of time, we're going to go in our little time machine, go back to 26 years to 1995 it's been what three months since we've recorded what what have you been up to how are things going at casa nail yeah pretty good alice is uh is a pistol uh henry cries more often than alice at the moment because he's three over three and a half so everything sucks all the time um Sam is trying to recover from the pandemic. He signed up for baseball, though. We got both of our shots, uh, our first doses recently. Did you guys get vaccinated? Uh, I got my first shot last week. Uh, My wife is fully vaccinated, so she's free to go ahead and lick handrails and all that good stuff again. (laughs) Yes, get back to the things we love, like licking handrails. Hey, hey, dude, dude, hey, chill, chill, chill. Come on. (laughs) Come on. A little crazy over here. Getting a little crazy over here. And Alistair will be three soon, right? Yes. Hey, stop, dude. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Something, okay. Something's never changed. He's going to be like 12, and he, you're going to be like, dude, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the thing with this pandemic, you know, I we kept him inside for, uh, I don't know how long, a, a pretty long time. 
And at some point I decided, you know, we need to at least get him out of the house. I think we've talked about this last year. There were certain places that I felt safe, not many, but uh-huh. a few. One of them was, uh, you know, like certain grocery stores, you know, Costco, the places who took it seriously. Because not everyone, not every place in Wichita took this seriously or is taking it seriously now. Yeah. But when I would take him out in public, I realized that the mask gave me this uh, kind of false sense of security that, you know, no one could hear me. Oh. <laughs> and uh, so I talk a, a lot louder than I realize I am because of the mask. Yeah. And people can hear me that I don't realize can hear me. And he likes to be my like little helper. If he's in the cart and I hand him something, he'll just toss it in the back for me. Uh-huh. But then every once in a while, just for the hell of it, he'll just throw it on the floor. <laughs> and I handed him something at the store and he threw it on the floor. And I went, what the fuck, dude? That's a dick move. <laughs> Yeah. And I looked over and this guy was looking at me and I thought, oh, shit, watch uh, your mouth. I shout what the fuck at my two-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> tell, him he's, tell him he's pulling a dick move and not, not yeah. the best look. Yeah, be careful, bro. You're going to spill my beer. <laughs> I have to be careful with what I say. But um, yeah, no, he's, 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 he's fun. He's never boring. He sounds like a hellion, that one. <laughs> uh, here and there. It, it depends. Uh, I want to talk about a band from, uh, well, I guess you could call this a 90s band. They made their first flashback in the late 90s. This is a band from uh, Scotland called Mogwai. And um, I don't think Mogwai is a band that you will like much of. I did pick a song that's sort of out of the norm for them because a lot of their stuff is kind of atmospheric and impressionistic. Uh, It's instrumental a lot of the time. It's so impressionistic that they often write scores for, I think they did a French television show a couple years ago and they did another television show recently and a movie recently. And so they don't always just record rock albums. And when I say rock, obviously I'm using the, you know, it's a a loose use of the term. Uh, they are heralded as an un- unparalleled live act. Uh, I did not realize that until recently. Uh, and I haven't really paid attention to the band at all since 2011. They put out a record back then called Hardcore Will Never Die, But You Will. Great album title. Uh, and, and I think I have played a song on there on the show before. Um, anyway, I'm always, I've always been jealous of Mogwai because they sort of seem like the latter-day Fugazi, at least in, in terms of it seems like they do everything on their terms. They made this early splash, but they didn't turn into like radio rock. They instead kind of went back to their basement. They do these subterranean dispatches of art, and they don't have to tend to personas or shtick because there's nearly no vocals, so the personality only, only comes through the music. They, they, like I say, they've diversified into other work, and they let the work speak for itself. What I'm saying is if I had to pick a band to be in, it would be one like this. With their, uh, their ethic or their, uh, their attitude? I guess their whole ethos, yeah. They they do yeah. things on their own terms, and they make good music because of that. Like, they don't have to really... I don't think they have to cater to really anyone specifically other than themselves. So they put out this record just uh, a month ago called As the Love Continues, and it's a similar mix. You know, it's... it's so there's some stuff on here that I, like, I go, well, that's why I don't always pay attention to them, because it's a little... I wouldn't say tedious, but it, it could be... Um, it's not always immediately engaging. Uh, But they also have sort of alternative rock anthems on there, and they're really good at that. 
And this might just be nostalgia talking, but I really, really like it when this band can settle on a riff and just grind it into the earth. That is Ceiling Granny, uh, Mogwai. What do you think? Well, I, you know, first of all, I definitely respect, you know, what you're saying about their attitude and the way they kind of took charge of their own destiny. That's, uh, I, I think, pretty admirable uh, when any band does that. Um, yeah, they're not sucking anyone's dick. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, and and there, there's something to be said for that because there's a lot of bands out there that, that will. Yeah. I don't dislike it. I don't, you know, there, is it fine? There's nothing wrong with it. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't move me. I don't like, I don't really get blown away by it. So I mean, you know, in summary, it, it's fine. It's something I, I would, <laughs> I could imagine having this on just as I do stuff. Yeah. But I, I, this isn't the kind of thing I would want to just sit and and listen to and and pay attention to it. And you know, it just doesn't grab me like that. But I, I hate to do this to a band that obviously doesn't think they need vocals or any changes really probably but i have to ask because it, it is rare and uh and you know you're sort of lukewarm on this does this need vocals i th- i think so uh i didn't realize they were instrumental uh, when i first put the song on and I, I was like this is cool okay and i'm waiting and i'm waiting yeah, i'm yeah, like yeah. what the fuck where are the vocals and i was like oh god they're instrumental oh fuck and then by the end of the song, I was like, "Okay, we get it." Next. <laughs> so yeah, I I think I think vocals would would go a long way. Um, but I also I am very curious to hear the the music they've created for uh, like soundtracks and whatnot. I'll bet that's actually pretty good. It's I would I was gonna say it's on the dark side, but I think it's just more austere or something. It's 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 colder than this. Okay. It's it's worth checking out, but I don't like it as much as I like this. So there you go. Okay. Fair enough. What have you got? I have got a band called Palm Poco, uh, which I, I just recently found out are from Norway, uh, I believe. Mm-hmm. Was that correct? Norway. Uh, yeah, we were talking about it before, and I, it, I was like guessing sort of like Chapel Hill or something, but no, very far from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they, uh, they, they're kind of an eclectic mix, kind of a weird mix of uh of pop uh there's some punk there's some what i would consider kind of noise rock influences and it all just kind of makes this this weird stew what i like about it uh, most of all is just that when i listen to it i'm surprised i don't know 
where it's going to go or what it's going to do because there are so many ways it can go. Yeah. Um, and the first, the, the first song I heard is the one we're going to listen to. It's called like a lady. And within about, I don't know, five or 10 seconds, it's already doing things that I'm like, Whoa, what is going on? Because it's loud. It's quiet. It's poppy. It's squiggly kind of with weird baseline. Um, <laughs> yeah. and so right away I'm like, okay, I'm interested, you know, like almost like the opposite of Mogwai. Like right away, I'm like, what is this? What's going on? Are you I, calling Mogwai predictable? Not not predictable, just not, you know, I was like, okay, I get it. They're going to play this, you know, this section and then it'll go to, you know, like yeah. it's a, a kind of a standard structure. Nothing wrong with that. It's just, okay. this is just, this is just bonkers to me. Yeah, it is. It is definitely left to center. I would call this eclectic. Um, I hear, I hear Kim deal here, not so much in the vocals, but in the, in the structure, like there's some, there's definitely some breeders going on here. Maybe some big thief. As much as I like a 90s style rock song, this actually, it kind of bumps me a little bit, but let's spin it for everyone maybe. And we'll let them decide. She does that thing where she sings in tandem with with the notes on the verses, and that mm. I really hate that. But that might just be just a preference. It obviously doesn't bother them, so and it doesn't bother you. So I'll just, I'll just sit over here and be quiet. <laughs> well, uh, let's see. The album is called Cheater, and I believe I I think with my uh, vast knowledge here that this is their debut album. So. I guess we'll see what the future holds for him, but I, I would consider this at least, you know, promising. Oh my God. I'm looking at this band and they look like they were born definitely like in the, in the middle or the end of the Bush era. Yeah. <laughs> not, okay. Not, not literally, but still like, my God, they're so young. Yeah. They, they look, well, I'm, I'm looking at a picture of them too. I don't know if it's the same picture, but the one guy in particular looks like he's the guy who would like come fix my computer or uh, <laughs> he's a geek squad. Yeah, he looks he looks like he's a geek squad or something. Yeah, definitely. And that brings us to the main segment of our show, which we apparently are not entirely sure what to call. Maybe we need a new name. You revealed uh, off air here that you you aren't a fan of anything we've ever called it. It sounds like. I mean, the elephant in the room is fine. It's just you know we've been calling it that for a while and you know all due respect to the Wurtz brothers I'm I'm glad they came up with an original name for the segment when they did it I think that was specifically Brandon actually I want to say I I, and at least it's musically related like yeah there's nothing musical about elephants joke I mean I I (laughs) come I commend them you know for that I but yeah I've never really 
cared for that. So I don't know. We'll we'll figure something out. But anyway, <laughs> maybe we'll just call it the main segment of the show. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the meat. This is the meat of the show. Yeah. Um, we're talking about 1995, and uh, actually, this uh, predates my music store days i got hired i believe in 96 and that surprises me because my memory is that you had been there before you had been in your music store job before i had been but i was hired in august of 1995 well you have no idea what kind of journey i went on to figure out the timeline because um, oh really i was talking to uh to listener robbie yeah you know he and i worked together at the the other kind of music store that sold instruments sure rollover beethoven's right yeah, yeah, we were uh, we were comparing timelines, and what he was telling me did not match my memory. And I'm like, wait, are you sure? So I started trying to figure it out. I did this detective work to figure it out. And do you remember back, I guess it would have been in 95, I believe, there was a shooting, a, a robbery at the music store in Victorville? Absolutely, yeah, that was the 7th Street location. The warehouse had a robbery that went wrong, right? I was the next employee hired after that happened. Did did you replace a dead man? I did. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was a really weird interview. <laughs> oh, man. I remember going into that store because I, I was working in a music store at the time, and I don't know what I thought. Like, oh, I, I should ask if they're okay. And really, you should not ever do that because <laughs> you're just asking another person to kind of go through it again. But I remember I asked the general manager there, I, I just said, I, I think I just said something, what I thought was innocuous, like, I heard what happened, you know, is everyone okay? And her face fell, and she just was not ready to talk about it, and I immediately felt like a shithead. And uh, I was like, all right, well, I'll go over here and shop. I'll leave you alone. Uh, but it was, it, was, it was definitely a dark time. Was that the blonde lady? Yeah, yeah. What was her name? Yeah, yeah. Her name was Lynn. She was, yeah, she was the manager. And she, uh, right. I had one interview with the assistant manager, Tony, and then I had a, another interview with her. And she just very, very briefly started to bring it up and just said, you know, that was a really rare occurrence. Like, you know, she thought she had yeah. to, like, comfort me that I was worried about it happening again. And she was there that night, wasn't she? Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, hey, you don't have to say anything. You know, I, I know that was, like, not not a common thing, you know, like yeah. I'm not worried about it happening again. She and a, a, the other one that was working were pretty, pretty traumatized. Um, at some point, I can't remember now, I think somebody had to go out. Like there was still blood stains outside the store in the parking lot. Oh, that was outside. Yeah, he was because I think he ran after them, which he really shouldn't have done. But I'm not, you know, not victim blaming. But, you yeah. know, he because they, they ran out and he tried to chase them, I think. Oh yeah, never do that. But uh, they they saw that you know that constant reminder, and finally I think they begged the owners of the shopping center to clean it up. Yeah, but um, good lord. Yeah. So anyway, woo! Welcome back to the well, show, everybody. <laughs> so yeah, you were hired in '96. I was hired in '95. Where were you? I can't remember what you were going to say. Well, I was just that was how I that was how I figured out when I got hired. I had to Google that news story. Oh, okay. And, and see when I mean it was a whole ordeal because there's not a lot of records of that because it was so long ago, I guess. There's only a couple articles you can even find online about it. Yeah. And um so yeah, I got hired at that store and then that store eventually closed and we all kind of condensed over to the one on Bear Valley Road. I remember when I got hired at, uh, at my music store in 95, I was just graduating from high school. I went on a road trip with my best friend at the time, 
and we smoked pot, which we didn't we didn't do a lot, mostly because we couldn't get a hold of any because we were pretty lame. But we had enough pot to take on this trip, and on our way home, we smoked a little bit of it. And then I got the call that I had an interview and that there would be a drug test, and I was nervous about not passing the drug test <laughs> because mm-hmm. I'd smoked like six puffs of a, of a, a joint or whatever. And uh, but lo and behold, I I, I made it through just fine. <laughs> So dodged a bullet. All right. But 1995, I did a little of my own uh, sort of uh, uh, research. Uh, do you want to hear some sort of uh, historical footnotes? Yes. Refresh our memories about 1995. Okay. So 1995 was the year that Bill Barry left REM after suffering a major brain aneurysm. Three-fourths of REM had major medical issues on the Monster Tour in 1995, but Bill Barry came closest to death. And uh, after being assured that the band would not break up because of him, he became a farmer in a place, I'm not kidding, called Farmington, Georgia. Imagine being a farmer in Farmington. There you go. (laughs) That's what Bill Berry does this day, as far as I know. Anyway, uh, the Grammys were hosted by Paul Reiser that year. That sounds very 90s. Uh, Arrested in 1995, Stephen Adler. Uh, Perry Farrell, Scott Weiland, members of ministry. I like how ministry has plural. <laughs> you know, it's not just like <laughs> one guy who got sloppy. It's like, no, the band ministry got arrested. Uh, and then famously, not a musical uh, person, but uh, Hugh Grant got arrested that year. Um, let's see. So deaths in 1995. Jerry Garcia died early 95. I remember I was still in high school when that happened, and I barely knew who that was, but it certainly affected a couple of male teachers that I knew. So there was that. <laughs> Selena died in 1995, as did Easy e and uh, Shannon Hoon of Blind Melon, the, the latter of which really affected me because I really, really liked uh, Blind Melon. And uh, they were always so much more than that single to me. So, yeah. Uh, Tupac, I guess, got married while he was in prison. I don't remember that at all, but huh. that happened. Okay. Alan Wilder left Depeche Mode. TLC files for Chapter 11. And I've never seen that movie or looked into that or anything, but that has to be a, a case of mismanagement, right? Because they were huge in 1995. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. My God. The idea that they would fire chap- file Chapter 11 in the middle of like, basically that's as big as they would ever get, right? Yeah, I think so. Because I think No Scrubs, that was a big single off that record. So that was about as big as they ever got. I think. Maybe I messed up the timeline there. Uh, Oingo Boingo calls it quits in 1995. No Depression, the magazine publishes their first issue. Def Leppard enters, enters the Guinness Book of World Records by playing shows in three different continents on the same day. Free as a Bird by the Beatles, their first single in 20 years, uh, sort of resurrected from old um, you know demos. Uh, is released and Kid and Play. <laughs> I left the most important for last. <laughs> Kid and Play disbanded <laughs> in 1995, <laughs> which was a shock to me because I did not think they were still together around that time. Yeah, no kidding. So, wow. I think one of those guys is dead, aren't? Isn't he? Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. Am I thinking of someone else? Do you remember much about major music? Like uh, Grammy Award winners or critical hits or... Heck no. Before I started working at the music store, I paid no attention to anything going on, anything popular. I Around 95, I think, was right around kind of the height. Well, not the height, but the beginnings of uh, my band days. Yeah. And more than likely, all I was listening to was metal and hardcore punk. 
Well, I can tell you what the rest of the world was listening to, and it wasn't those things yet. Uh, <laughs> well, what would that be? U2's big single that year was Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me, which I believe was on a Batman movie of some sort. Uh, Michael Jackson, I guess, maybe... Re- I thought You Were Not Alone, that ballad of his. I thought that predated 95 considerably, but I don't know. The boy band Take That released Back for Good, which is funny because I'm sure that was their last release. <laughs> you know, so I don't think Take That was a musical force after that. Shaggy's Bombastic was uh, pretty much the second biggest single of the year. And the biggest song that year, and I can definitely attest to its popularity working at the, at the record store, Coolio's Gangster's Paradise. Oh, okay. All right. So it was pretty hard to get away from Coolio back then. Yeah. I'm the kind of cheetah little homies want to be like on my knees in the night saying prayers in the street light. The critical hits, the biggest albums anyway, uh, in in terms of the critical reception, was Pavements, Wowie Zowie, PJ Harvey's To Bring You My Love, Elliot Smith's self-titled album, uh, Jizz's Liquid Swords, more on that later, Bjork's Post, Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill, uh, Pulp's Different Class Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and the Infinite Sadness, Oasis, What's the Story of Morning Glory, and Radiohead's second album, The Bends. Grammy winners that year were, um, album of the year was Alanis Morissette. The song of the year, I believe, was Seal's Kiss from a Rose. I think they call it the record of the year if it's a single. The Best New Artist, Care to Take a Guess, 1995. Best New Artist? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't wasn't Alanis. That's what I would have guessed. Fuck. Uh, Speaking of uh, back east, I believe <laughs> it was oh. Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, okay. Oh, Annie Lennox, Seal, and Hootie were all nominated for Best Pop. Rap category was Coolio, Method Man, Naughty by Nature, which is Naughty by Nature is another one of those groups that just never went away. Uh, the rock category was Alanis, Tom Petty, Blues Traveler, P. Oh, Pearl Jam, and Nine Inch Nails. R&B was TLC, Stevie Wonder, and Anita Baker. Nirvana Unplugged won Best Alternative Record. The country category included Alison Krauss, Vince Gill, Emmylou Harris. And I included this just for you. The best polka record that year was Jimmy Stir, I Love to Polka. Polka, I love to polka. Let's celebrate and have a polka dance today. I love the polka. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So that is 1995 in a nutshell. Should we dive in? Let's, yes, please. Let's, let's talk about some music here. Who starts? Let's explain the, let's explain the format before we go any further. Well, we're taking a look at the songs we, well, see, this is going to be a little different. Songs we liked back then versus songs we like from then now. 
what would we like when we were very young and what would we yeah. like from that era now? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, so in some cases it's quite a contrast in some cases, maybe not so much. <laughs> what, uh, who would like to go first? I'll jump in. Fuck it. Go for it. I think the biggest record for me in 1995 was KMFDM's KMFDM's, uh, Nile. And I know we've talked about them recently, and I didn't intend to do this, but here we are talking about KMFDM again. I think this is probably their biggest album, thanks to the success of their their contribution to the Mortal Kombat soundtrack, which I also sold a shitload of at the record store. I bet you did too. Oh, yeah, definitely. I remember that. Um, and this this song that I picked is probably probably my favorite KMFDM song. It's a deeper cut that for some reason is not regarded well at all in KMFDM lore. I don't think I, I guess it's due to the fact that it's kind of out of character because it's more melodic and it's a slower tempo. It's kind of more ruminative. It's you know KMFDM is known for their heavy industrial rock, their ultra heavy beat, quote unquote. Um, but this has a decent riff, a really great horn section, which is kind of out of uh, out of their wheelhouse, typically speaking, at least back then, and a real melody, like I say, in the chorus. So the, the reason I picked this is because, not only because it actually, I don't really know if it holds up. I, it's, it's so hard to see through the fog of nostalgia. But this is definitely me in 1995, in high school, driving around in my 89 Grand Am, you know. Not, not a nice car, by the way. It sounds like a nice car. It's not a nice car. This <laughs> is... <laughs> I mean, I hate to do repeats. I try to avoid them at all costs. If we've talked about anything on the ringing ear before, I try not to talk, bring it up again because there's so much music to talk about. But since we're talking about the year 1995, I have to mention Jizza's Liquid Sword. Fuck that. Special technique of shadowboxing. Do you have an? I can't remember. Do you have an appreciation for this record or no? Um, I, I do. Not. I mean, I'm not over the moon but uh, yeah okay. i think it's cool i like it it's his second solo album released in november of 95 i remember stocking it i can also remember dudes young dudes coming in to get it uh, i but i wasn't really into wu-tang yet so i was like oh gza whatever that is i don't know and, and I, I remember trying to listen to it and i it, it just didn't it didn't hit with me back then i was too ADHD or something. I couldn't I couldn't pay attention enough to appreciate it. It's some of my favorite turns of phrase of all time on this record. It was instantly beloved at the time of release by fans and critics that you know the the, the the rare occurrence of fans and critics actually agreeing on something 
Uh, it's focused, precise, it's haunting and dense. Uh, I didn't love this right away, like I say. I thought it was kind of boring, but over time, it's it's gotten under my skin. Out of town, foes look shook, but still pose. We move like real pros through the streets we stroll. Bullet holes lace the windows in one six old. So controller avenues, that's the dream that's sold. Building lobbies, the graveyards for small timers. Bitches caught in airport, keys in their vaginas. No peace, yo, the police mad corrupt. You get bagged up, depending if you're passing the cut. Plus, shorty's not a shorty no more. He's living heartless, regardless of the charges. Claims to be the hardest individual. Critical thoughts, criminal minded. Blinded by illusion, finding it confusing. All of the iron minds. Just a fifty-two-baby strike. All of the iron minds. Just a fifty-two-baby strike. All right, that's Duel of the Iron Mike. Uh, well, that one, uh, that definitely wins that round for me. I, I like that a lot better than the uh, KMFDM track. Okay. I love the album cover, though, I have to say. <laughs> oh, that wait, the, awesome. the KMFDM album cover or the Jizza? Yeah, no, KMFDM. <laughs> it's weird, right? Yeah, yeah, I like it. <laughs> well, like I said, um, 1995 would have found me listening to something like... Um, Minor Threat or the Ramones or Bad Religion pretty much on repeat with, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, Slayer or something like that. I don't know, whatever metal I was listening to. So I kind of had to just look at what was out and figure out what I would what I would have listened to. And it, it was kind of a no-brainer once I, I got down the list here. Uh, what I would have been listening to uh, was Fu Manchu. Yeah. I, I really, I like their sound. I'm not a huge fan to be honest i mean i don't think i've ever even listened to an entire album all the way through but whenever i hear a song i get i get happy so i don't know why i haven't listened to them more it's one of those weird dichotomies where i I like them but i've never really pursued their music it's i don't know i can't explain it yeah i've had that a lot too or you i've had that happen with live bands too where i'm like oh i gotta check them out and literally i never do that sometimes yeah (laughs) it's like oh i never got around to it yeah exactly yeah, and the album that they had out was called Daredevil, and the song I've chosen uh, off of that is called Space Farm, which ironically <laughs> is the longest song on the album. I didn't do that on purpose, but uh, obviously, but uh, yeah, sure enough. I like that um, you picked a song title that sounds still sounds like it's a clutch song. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I tried to Google uh, before we, we started, I tried to Google this, the song, and there are like at least four or five other songs called Space Farm that came up. Uh-huh. There's like a Primus song. And I, I don't know, like a bunch. So it's not the most original name, apparently. Um, <laughs> I wonder if this is, this doesn't happen to be a cover, do you think? It doesn't? Ooh, I don't, I don't know. Let's okay. see if we can find out. Um, how, did you, do, how did you first come to uh, learn about Fu Manchu? I saw them, actually. I think I saw them open up for Rollins Band. Does that sound like it's a thing that might have happened? Sure. Uh, and I, I was bored. I, I, you know, Stoner Rock, is that, do you call this Stoner Rock? Is that fair? I would, but apparently Alistair disapproves. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I would, I would call him Stoner Rock. 
Yeah, it's better than I remember it. That's for sure. I remember being bored at the whiskey show where I saw them, uh, which would explain why I never really checked them out. I think they are they're more similar to Clutch, actually, than I than I would have thought. And uh, but I'll take mm-hmm. Clutch over them, I think. Well, I, I was just going to say, I think I first learned about them possibly from like a, a Tony Hawk video game, one of Tony Hawk's, uh, oh, okay. you know, games. But uh, so did you hear that on? Because you don't strike me as a gamer. Like, did you just go to someone's house or were you actually playing N64 back then? No, I th- I think um, oddly enough, I, I think I at one point in time, I may have had. Did they put out soundtracks for the video game? I don't know. I want to say I had the soundtrack, like, you know, just a, a compilation okay. of all the different songs. I, I'm not really sure. Huh. But, um, yeah, that that once they got on my radar, I, radar, I, you know, that name sticks in your head. So whenever I would see the name, like, oh, that's that band from the Tony Hawk game. <laughs> this song in particular yeah it's it it reminds me a little bit of a band called nebula i just want to throw them out there and uh i don't know this uh, just sounds like uh they're true believers in stoner rock and that's 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 great for them i i don't all right it, it's not really something i look for occasionally it's something i stumble across and i go oh hell yeah like the helicopters or something you know I, at the time i probably would have heard this and said this isn't heavy enough uh, it, like it just, you know, it just, it's not intense. And uh, like Jeff, 18 year old Jeff just wanted to rock as hard as possible. And, and, you know, the appeal of stoner rock is to rock in a, in, in sort of a subdued way to a certain degree. And I think that's what it, it was just cut too much for me. Right. What's your pick for looking back on the air? Well, uh, th- that's kind of an interesting, oh, and just by the way, all songs on the album written by Fu Manchu. So not a cover, but, oh, okay. Um, Going back and looking at things, I, I saw a name that caught my eye, and I don't know why, uh, but I saw the name Money Mark, and I thought, well, who in the heck is Money Mark? So I decided to look <laughs> him up, and it turns out uh, I should have known who he is, I guess, because he yeah. collaborated a little bit with the Beastie Boys. He collaborated a lot with the Beastie Boys, is my memory, yeah. He uh, put out some solo albums, and I so I started listening to a solo album here called Mark's Keyboard Repair. And uh, <laughs> it's it's cool because it's it's instrumental, but there's I think there might be one song over like three minutes. They're all 
just short little groovy jams, for lack of a better word. Okay. And uh, so I I really took to that, and it's not something I don't think I, I really would have cared for a whole lot at the time. I mean, I always liked the Beastie Boys, but I was not so interested in their their funky jam right. stuff, you know? So I don't think I really would have given this a second thought back in the day, but I, I, I liked it. Um, I actually didn't realize I did this, but I kind of cheated because this... This song was on the reissue, like the expanded reissue edition, but not on the original album. So I don't know what year the reissue came out. So I, uh, okay. I assume it was still recorded at the same time. Yeah, I don't it's know. from the era. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, the song's called Revolt of the Octopi. What did you think of uh, Money Mark? Yeah, other, other than his work on Check Your Head and Ill Communication, I don't think I, I'm very familiar with him. This is cool, though. It feels very East Coast hip-hop, which is appropriate. It's, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a, what Q-Tip called the abstract, or maybe was that just his nickname? I don't know. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, yeah, and anything instrumental, this kind of goes back to my current, too. Anything instrumental that can still remain lyrical, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I like this. Nice. Uh, although, all right. I, I am, I'm also with you, though, about sort of not being into the Beastie Boys' odds and ends. They put out that instrumental record sometime mm. in the late 90s, and I was just so not into that. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I, mean, I was, you know, I, I mean, I respect it, I guess, the fact that they can even do that as a, you know, a, yeah. what, what known as a hip-hop group but yeah I, I don't really i i can remember a lot of people return trying to return that record actually because <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i don't hear one uh, beastie boy <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad you liked this chalk one up for joby um yeah. what, what what are your next two picks so i've talked about this band before also and i guess it's pretty hard to avoid uh when it comes to looking back on things because i i you know, I we like you say, this is our fourth season, so it's bound to happen. I, I love talking about the band Seaweed, though, because they are a band that never really made it very far, and I think they deserve uh, more than a second look. This was, though, for nostalgia's sake, this was the first CD, I think one of the first CDs I played in the record store, because at the time, I remember they asked me, like, what do you want to play? Uh, oh, by the way, pick out of this box. <laughs> it wasn't actually that. It was like a drawer. And uh, and seaweed stuck out because it was sort of a bold uh, case design. And I thought, oh, I don't know this. This looks cool. And it was cool. There are a lot of bands that sound like seaweed, uh, which is to say they are a rock quintet from the Pacific Northwest in the 1990s. So uh, it, it 
I understand if um, I understand why they never caught on is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, the thing that stands out for me is Aaron Stouffer's sort of uh, dry vocals. He's not a gifted vocalist, but there is a quality to his voice that was sort of singular. And I, I liked it. And I still like it. it. It sort of mixes like the Pacific Northwest sound. I don't want to use the G word because they they don't really have a lot of that, that grunge thing. But they have some of it because they're from the, the region. They're from Tacoma. And uh, but they they mix it with more punk energy than their contemporaries. So I really appreciate them. This song is called Start With. It's a pretty great example of why I like them because it and everything on the record is sort of right at the fulcrum between their younger, thrashier era and their more tempered but still very good late 90s songs. This was their first major label, I think their only major label release. It's unlaughable now, no, it's not okay. You knew you were screwing us both over anyway. I wish I could laugh, but my laugh sapped out Cause I sat alone as you worshipped your wallet Setting up goals or whatever you call it minute there because when i listened to this my my thought was this is something that i would listen to at the music store because i couldn't listen to anything else like it it had it had guitar and it was like a rock song and it was safe for the store yeah no curses on this (laughs) yeah and it was it wasn't you know awful pop music or anything so i would be happy to listen to this in the store and and nowhere else sure you know i'm i spent 2020 really trying to shape my attitude and be a little bit more positive overall let people <laughs> you know we we had, we talked about this with the deftones like try to just let people like their thing and, and you know and what what does it what does it hurt to let somebody like something Th- this this song uh challenges me uh to keep that that positive attitude because i very <laughs> much dislike this it's funny I, how you're like the negative nelly on the show but you're like the most afraid to say fuck this song and i'm <laughs> somehow i think I'm that's more- rude that's rude. There's no reason to say that. I mean, no, not fuck this song. I mean, sure, hey, people like okay. it. Good for them. I just, nah, I don't like it. I think it's it's bad. You know what blows me away about this song, though, is that Seaweed is one of those bands that started, I mean, they these guys started this band when they were in high school. Obviously, many, many bands are created in, in their formative, in the formative years of youth, right? But very mm-hmm. few end up getting major label record deals. And I just, I just can't help imagining... Just imagine being in a band you were f- that you you know you formed while you were a junior or something, 
And here you are, you're like 48 now, and you're still associated with it. Yeah. That's well, weird to me. Yeah, it's weird. So I don't think you're going to like my other pick for my number two, because I don't even know why I like it. Um, this is a band called Velocity Girl. They got written about a lot back then. They're a Maryland sort of D.C. area band. And there's nothing special about this band other than than what they conjure for me and what I really miss about the 90s in that they sort of represent a few things where it it's we've talked a little bit about this. There's you know, there was a, a glut of bands back then, just so many to choose from. And I, I guess I sort of missed that. There was this constant search for fun bands and the absolute surplus of bands that were available made that all the more either daunting or pleasurable or both. I don't know. Uh, and the promise of garage bands came to life in that era. Like kids were doing it. And I and Velocity Girl is, is no exception. These were definitely young people doing it. And this song is called Finest Hour. And it actually wasn't on a 95 record, but it was released as a single or something. It, it was recorded around that time. And it just strikes a resonant sort of nostalgic chord with me. I guess this is just my pick, you know, I picked this because I'm 43. I'm from the 90s, I guess. I don't know. Well, that's as good an explanation as any, I guess. It's <laughs> well, I, I figure I owe you one because this this song, if I were just to hear this today, I'd be like, yeah, I guess. You know, I, 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 I acknowledge that this is not a great song, but it, it strikes a chord in me. I can't explain it. Okay. Fair enough. that song maybe just the the tiniest thinnest of eyelashes more than the uh the other song oh really you like velocity girl better than seaweed yep anyway well that's good to hear i didn't think velocity girl would go very far for you but uh i'll take well it, it didn't but it was better than the alternative <laughs> i didn't even think it would go that far let's put it that way <laughs> okay now we're gonna get heavy uh, literally and figuratively. I don't know if you've seen the front man for the band Crowbar, but we're getting heavy. Oh, yeah. So Crowbar <laughs> is a band I've always liked. Again, not a band I've ever especially sought out. I don't know what the deal is. What What is the deal with that? I, I, every time I hear them, I'm like, oh, God, I love their sound. They're, like As soon as I hear them, I know who it is because they have that, that unique 
sound. And uh-huh. and after the song's over, I forget they ever existed. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But anyway, I've, I've always liked Crowbar. And so when I saw that they had an album that came out in 95, I went ahead and checked it out. It's called Time Heals Nothing. I went with a song off of that album called Leave It Behind. I, you know, I could have really probably picked almost any song off the album. I mean, they're not the most versatile band in the world, so you, you, you kind of get the feel for it if you pick any song. But I really like, I really like it, and this is definitely what I would have been listening to in the moment. Yeah. I heard about Crowbar was on Beavis and Butthead, actually. Um, <laughs> Whoa, it's Crowbar! <laughs> oh, yeah. They're always taking a dump. <laughs> I think this is like the love song. <laughs> the, the, actually, the main joke about that they were doing was that it looks like, because the, 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 the camera angle on the lead singer is sort of, it's pretty close. And he's grunting and he's growling. And so Beavis and Butthead automatically go, this guy has to take a shit. And he's trying to take a shit right now. And then at the end of the song, there's this big scream. And he goes, well, they go, well, not anymore. (laughs) That's like like the big joke. I miss Beavis and Butthead. Anyway, I haven't listened to Crowbar since then, uh, when when Beavis and Butthead made me. So um, the riffs are a bit more articulate than I expected. It's a fun bridge. Right. Yeah, it's it reminds me a little bit, speaking of the Mortal Kombat soundtrack, it reminds me of Geezer Butler's brief band. He had a band called GZR there just for a minute. Uh-huh. And not not a great band, but that song on that soundtrack is pretty good. And it sort of reminds me of Crowbar. If it's a fool, the man on the street, the force of silence, you don't want to beat. The homeless, the poor, society's tricks, the drunk and the junkie, the woman who begs. The second pick uh, is a bit of a departure uh, can, compared to Crowbar, but, you know, it's weird. To me, it almost makes sense. I don't know why, but it just makes sense that these go together. Um, Tricky is uh, is what I've chosen for my other song. Mm-hmm. A- Alistair's helping helping me here. Uh, uh-huh. Wait, wait, hold on. Don't reach for that mouse. Mm-mm. Tricky put out his debut album in 95, and it's called... Maxinquay? Maxinquay, something like that. Yeah. Sure. 
That'll that'll work. I just call it Max. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, Tricky is someone I was not real familiar with until actually quite recently. I don't know how or why I didn't know about him, but he just kind of slipped under my radar. Once I found him, I was like, my God, where where has this been? Yeah, this is kind of right in your wheelhouse. I mean, you're a Portishead guy. This is the same era, same sort of vibe. He's a founding member of Massive Attack. Yeah. The same, uh, same music, I believe, in, in, this, in the oh, case of right. this song. Yes. Um, I chose the song Hell is Round the Corner, which, yeah, might sound a little familiar to any uh, Portishead fans. So I don't honestly know. I didn't bother to look. I don't know if he literally just sampled the Portishead song or if they both borrowed from some other source or what i looked this up actually it's an isaac hayes sample oh well there you go uh, okay so so they're both borrowing from isaac i never abused you i took advantage of you and i used you selfishly i apologize now Because after suffering so much, I know that I was wrong. Okay, fair enough. Well, yeah. I, I don't know which I like better. Do you? Which do you prefer, Portishead or Tricky? I think I like Portishead a little bit better, but it's sort of an unfair assessment because, you know, I've been living with Glory Box since I was a teenager. And uh, yeah. this, I, right. I actually have tried with Tricky a number of times and always sort of come up shrugging. And this song in particular is not different enough from Glory Box, if you ask me. It's mm -hmm. it's 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 just too similar. Uh, all it is is more British now. <laughs> so and Portishead <laughs> is British. So I think that's saying something. <laughs> he was the next big thing, though. I mean, there was like a five-year period where Tricky was at least mentioned on the cover of so many magazines. And like I say, every time I try to get into him, I'd come up short. There was one good record called um, Angels with Dirty Faces. I, I think that was my favorite. Uh, but this this was one of those records that I think people, the stores stocked hoping that they would get moved, and they just didn't. Right, right. I like the fabric of it. The vinyl pops are fun. You know, it's it, it, mm -hmm. if if overbaked and it's just a little too reliant on mood, which I, it's sort of an unfair thing to say because that's you could say that about the whole genre of trip hop. And you know, I, I I'm not super hard on it, but it's I'm I'm not gonna make my way over to Tricky's discography anytime soon. You said hard on it. <laughs> Speaking of Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> Still on the crowbar thing. Yeah, yeah. Until then, you have to live with yourself. I stand firm for a soil. Liquor, I come forth. My brain thinks from life. All 
All right, well, uh, now, now is it time for Man of War? Oh, yes, now it's time for number one. Let's do it. All right, let's move to number one. So what are your number one picks for 1995? Well, I think I've got one you're going to like and one you're going to meh. Okay. My favorite song that came out in 1995 when I was still a person existing within the year 1995 had to have been Pearl Jam's uh, I Got Id. It's the only song from Neil Young's Mirrorball that Eddie Vedder sang on. It was released on a two-song EP called Merkin Ball. I remember that showed up in the record store, and I stocked it, and I didn't even know it was coming out, so I was pretty excited. I was also disappointed there was only two songs on it, and there was only, one of them was complete bullshit. <laughs> so um, this song started off as being called I Got Shit, and the uh, the label Epic made them change the name of the song, so it changed it to I Got Id. It is not I Got Id, it's I Got Id in the Freudian sense. And uh, Vetter, Vetter's compositions are not typically my bag. I'm not a big fan of the, the ukulele, for one thing, so that pretty much gets rid of almost everything he's written outside of Pearl Jam. This song, though, is made by Neil Young's really ambitious solo work. Uh, and by, by that, I mean his guitar solo. It might be my favorite Pearl Jam song, period, top 10 at least. And it's it's just such a nice mix. Ends up sounding kind of humble and stratospheric all, all at once. And like all good, good grunge, it's kind of classic rock meets a little bit of punk spirit. And the craziest thing about this is uh, it charted well. I did not know this until I looked at, into the song. I, I never really listened to radio even back then. I did not realize that this was a song that was widely known. I guess this charted back then. So that surprised me. song when i put it on to uh, to listen to it i do remember it vaguely to me honestly this could be just about any pearl jam song because i kind of have the same feeling towards them all um you know i pearl jam's a good salute it's tough when they start smoking so early i know right but you know what are you gonna do he's like come on puff puff pass dad um, the thing about Pearl Jam is like, they're, they're a good band and that can't be denied to me. In my opinion, they're objectively good. I just don't really 
care about them all that much. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't mind this song. It's fine. It, it, you know, I, I don't know. That's about all I can really say. It's, it's fine. It's not. I think this is probably the last really good song they've, they've written. It's kind of sad to say because they've written okay songs ever since then. I mean, not very many, but some, but this was the last one that they did that I really, really liked. Yeah. So, and I haven't really outgrown it, but, uh, looking back on 1995, I am sure I've talked about this song before and I, I feel like a real basic bitch talking about it, but, uh, the Jayhawks put out a record that year. And uh, it's funny because I always forget the name of that. <laughs> Tomorrow the Greengrass, that's what it's called. And uh, the song is Blue. And I'm sure I've talked about this before, haven't I? I've, I'm, I'm pretty sure you have, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's Twin Cities Alternative Country, uh, warm, unaffected. Uh, I, I, I will cop to this is probably sort of an older middle-aged sensibility speaking, but I have liked the song for longer than just recently. So who knows? Um, they made splashes with their earlier record, but tomorrow the green grass, uh, they, they really made a splash with this one. And, uh, this might be their best known song. You know, it's been in movies and stuff like that. And, uh, it's got a full production, some keys, some strings, but really completed by Mark Olson and Gary Lewis's exquisite harmonies. If I things i love the most is that this sounds like that uh that this does not sound anything like 1995 there's a timeless quality this might be one of my favorite songs period uh and i was not aware of this at the time of release at all i mean just looking at the cover the idea that an 18 year old jeff would be like yeah i gotta check that out seems so unlikely (laughs) so anyway what do you think um you know it it's you know it doesn't do a, a whole lot for me it's it's not come on not my thing what not my thing yeah wow see no. to me this is like one of the, i mean i'll grant you it's a little middle of the road but this is the kind of song that i figure i'm like no one can dislike this song it's so good <laughs> <laughs> but here you are proving me wrong you son of a bitch <laughs> hold my kid i got something to say yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I don't know. It, 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 it's 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 the same kind of uh, the same kind of thing. I you know I can tell they're they're talented and whatever, but to me that song is just kind of bland. It's just uh, whatever. Well, if it makes you feel any better, but I don't know why it would because you don't really like this band either. I I really fought hard to keep uh, any too many repeats 
uh, you know, off my list. And I really wanted to put a song from Fugazi's Red Medicine here, but I didn't. So I want a little nah. credit for not All talking right. about Fugazi. That's pretty much my approach now. Just don't talk about Fugazi. Well, you've you've you already brought up Fugazi at least once already this episode before this. So <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I kind of I guess it kind of balances <laughs> out. You didn't play him, but you did mention him. So that's that's fair. Good enough. All right. Well. Well, um, speaking of, of repeats and, and dance, that sort of thing, my both of my picks uh, on my number one are going to be pretty familiar to everyone, not, not going with anyone very obscure here. So uh, 1995, Joby, uh, like I said, was pretty much all about uh, punk and, and metal. And we mentioned the Beastie Boys earlier, and they were, you know, kind of the exception in this, you know, the hip hop angle, but of course, you know, they did have their, their punk roots. And this is actually a bit of a cheat because they didn't put out an actual LP. They just put out an EP called Aglio e Olio. Oh, right. Whatever the hell that means, but it's all hardcore punk. It's only 13 minutes long. And we all know how I feel about that. It's uh, it's 10 songs in 13 minutes. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm all about that. And uh, I think right around this time, they put out that B-Sides collection called Same Old Bullshit or something like that. Do you recall that one? Uh, kind of. Had a dog on the cover. Anyway. I think around right around this time is when they started really kind of just getting loose with throwing out all kinds of stuff. Like when we were talking yeah. about the, the instrumental stuff. Like, I think that was all kind of in this five three to five year period around here. Well, they became so big after ill communication. I think there was probably a lot of pressure to capitalize on that. And yeah, you know, just yeah. trying to throw something out there. But yeah, like the, the gap of time between ill communication and hello nasty, I think it was at least four years. Did you, uh, did you watch that, uh, that movie? Do you have Apple TV? You do, right? I do, but I haven't watched it yet. No, I read the book. It's, it's really probably just the book's probably better to be honest. Um, but it's fun, you know, cause I didn't know what it was. I thought it was going to be some kind of like typical documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually just a filmed version of the show that they did. They did a, their own kind of like two man show about the history of the beastie boys, Uh huh. like on stage, you know, in front of people. Yeah. Yeah. Someone called it like a, basically a beastie boys PowerPoint presentation <laughs> and that's kind of what it is, but they're entertaining and you know if you're a fan of the band it, it's you know you can't really go wrong but it's not like anything no one anyone doesn't know about them already the book is a lot like that where it is sort of first person narrative and it's not like so our biggest album was it's nothing like that it's like oh this crazy thing happened early on mm-hmm. and this is what happened when we were sort of figuring our shit out and even yeah. when they get to like the big part of their careers, they don't really acknowledge it. They just talk about sort of the behind the scenes and that's what makes it so interesting. Yeah. So yeah, if, you know, if you ever have some time to kill and nothing to watch, it's, it's worth sitting through once. Okay. But uh, anyway, Aglio e Olio, uh, 10 songs, 13 minutes. I chose one that clocks in at one minute and 20 seconds called I Can't Think Straight. <laughs>
They like it raw. Personally, I'm a little bit smooth. Um, you know, I like to go with the notes. Uh, don't get I, I run a lot of productions and I'm really good at this. Yeah, I, I ignored these releases at the time, even though I really liked uh, Beastie Boys. I think I wanted more Check Your Head, and I was it was not that I was unimpressed with Ill Communication. I think I just preferred the Check Your Head version of them, which is, I know they were very similar in sound, but at the time I had a hard time seeing the similarities for some reason. Right, yeah. I, I never really thought their punk stuff was very great outside of a few sort of select songs from their middle period albums, but there's Dead Kennedys vibes here. Yeah. So yeah, that's cool. it's, it's cha- chaotic and uh, just, yeah, full of uh, just electric energy. I really like it. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like any riffs or any songs you're going to really remember at the end of the day, but it's fun to listen to. I feel like they're a band that cannot, they're a group that cannot please me, where when they're in their hip hop mode, I want more, more, I want them to be more instrumental. And when they're more instrumental, I want them to go back to hip hop mode. <laughs> I'm like this, <laughs> I'm like this impossible to please fan. <laughs> well, so for my other pick, my uh, you know current day pick, again we're we're repeating and and going back to a band, but I I've, in this case I feel like it's worth it because uh, we're we're gonna talk again about Primus, and uh, I can hear I can hear some of our listeners rolling their eyes because we talk a lot about Primus, and I think they're what? one of those bands that also people don't like. <laughs> those well, those listeners can just shut up and listen for a few goddamn minutes. Yeah, uh, no. Casey Nail, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I can't here's even remember the thing. if she has an opinion on Primus. I just think she might have been one of them. Well, well, here's the thing. When we d- the last time I remember talking about them was uh, I think you had assigned me an album of theirs, or did uh-huh. I assign you an album of theirs? I, no, I don't remember. Was, I assigned you, but I let you pick. I think. And uh, it wasn't great. And we we talked about how we you know we both kind of lost interest in Primus as they kind of just seemed to get weird for weirdness sake. Uh-huh. You know, it didn't seem like organic anymore. They just, I don't know. They just kind of became a caricature. This was the Green of. Naga Hide album? Yeah, that's the yeah. one. That's the yeah. one. So um, I, when I saw that Tales from the Punchbowl came out in 95, I thought, uh, well, I'll listen to it just <laughs> to, to kind of refresh my memory. But uh. is this and the record then, with Winona's Big Brown Beaver? Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And I was fine with that song. But, you know, by then I, I was already kind of burned out on them. Because I, I went hard and fast when they first, you know, yeah. came out. And so I never really listened to this album. And I have to tell you, I was really surprised. This album is a lot better than I expected it to be. Really? I don't, I, I I don't remember like, ever listening to it. I, I feel like this has to be pretty much one of their last really good albums. Huh. I, I was very, very pleasantly surprised. This is, I, for me anyway, this is a really good album. Like, so much better than I expected. Okay. So uh, yeah, if, if you ever get the get the uh, notion, you should check it out. Also of note, as we mentioned before, track number five is called Space Farm. So oh, hey, wow, <laughs> look at that! <laughs> look at the through <clears throat> line. <laughs> but uh, the song I ended up picking uh, is actually the second to last song on there. And check this out: six minutes and twenty-four seconds long, called uh, "Over the Electric Grapevine." And so I'm really curious to see what you thought of this song. Yeah, 
this is where they start to lose me. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming there's there's a fair amount of that for you, too. As good as you say this record is, I'm sure there are moments on here where you start to go, mm, no. Well, I mean, to answer your question, uh, the first track is seven minutes and 12 seconds long. So, yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, you know, and I think this is what happens to any band, just about any band, that reaches a certain level of success. It's actually not even just bands. It's almost anyone. Once you reach a certain level... No one will rein you in or tell you, hey, maybe you should just not do that. You know, yeah. and <laughs> you get just so full of yourself and thinking you can do anything that you, you just lose lose yourself, you know? It's funny, too, because I, as far as I understand it, they were actually a pretty humble outfit for a long time. They had to self-fund a lot of their early releases, and I think Pork Soda was the first time they ever got label support, and so this is very soon after that. I, it's funny to think that they somehow got, got up in their heads you know, so quickly, right. but maybe they did. I don't know, but I think, that, you know, yeah, they, they noodle a little too much, of course, but there were still, you know, I remember that that Nagahide album just being so pointless and just meandering and they never found like a a good groove like that I remembered them having, you know, in their in yeah. their prime. And this still has that, at least in in pieces, you know, in in spots, not, you know, it's not all killer, but is so much better than I remembered. So okay. I, I, I enjoyed listening to it and kind of refreshing my memory and uh, catching up with it. I still think this song is weirder than it needs to be. Uh, like we're not in, in um, frizzle fried country any longer at this point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, but Clay, Claypool's progression at the beginning is pretty hypnotic and the percussion is sophisticated as always. Um, this is a, this is more of a composition than I've ever given them credit for. I think I really ended up liking this. Oh uh, shit. All I right. started off being like rolling, kind of eye rolling. And by the end of it, I was like, God damn, pretty good. All right. <laughs> so there you go. Well, look at that. Two for Joby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, also Rans, I guess, I guess we have to talk about also Rans now, don't we? Oh, I, I don't have any hell. It was hard enough to come up with these. I'll just mention uh, Fugazi uh, again, and uh, Mad Season came out that year. That was a record it took a long time for me to warm up to, because I just wanted more Alice in Chains Pearl Jam, which is, uh, or Screaming Trees, which is all members are in that uh, mm-hmm. in Mad Season, and it, it was just so mellow. But it's actually, looking back on it, it's pretty pretty beautiful, at least in, in, in moments. Uh, I was pretty into a band called The Stanford Prison Experiment back then. Yeah, I still kind of think they're better than people probably remember but not great uh elastica put out their self-titled record that year and i think that's a pretty good collection of um sort of pop punk uh british pop punk clutch's self-titled was my introduction to clutch and i really like that record still bowie put out a good record that year sanity real estate put out their first record sunvolt put out their best and first record bjork texas is the reason sonic youth and i only mentioned sonic youth i don't like that washing machine album I think that's what it's called. But I think that's the album with the Diamond C on it. And, man, I should just assign that song to you. I think that song is like 15 minutes. Uh, <laughs> but it's pretty awesome. The Roots had a good uh, good record out. And uh, I, I don't mention this 
as an example of a good album from 1995, but I do remember really liking it because it's it's funny to look back on and go, well, I guess I was still a kid, even at eight, age 18. The Dance Hall Crashers. Do you remember the Dance Hall Crashers? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So silly and just juvenile and not, not good. And I thought it was, there was like a week where I was like, this is the best, guys. <laughs> Listeners, so the Words Brothers chimed in first. Tavis says Rockets, uh, Rocket from the Crypt Scream, Dracula Scream. I will give them credit. That that record is pretty uh, pretty good. Uh, even though I'm not a gigantic Rocket fan, that's the one I definitely have. Tavis says that record basically changed his life. He mentions Fugazi's Red Medicine, Rancid, and No Doubt had an impact. Uh, ben Folds 5, Jawbreakers, Dear You. That's an album that people love so hard, and I've never really liked Jawbreaker. Tavis mentioned Supernova, and the, I guess that ages three and up still gets regular play for him. He loves every minute. And then uh, something called The Oblivion, uh, Soul Food. Brandon says he was a freshman in high school at the time, and he mentions Rocket Fugazi. Uh, Disco Volante is a, um, why can't I come up with a band? Is that a Mr. Bungle record? Yeah. He mentioned Soul Boss Trio, The Rentals, Faith No More. That was, I was pretty excited about that Faith No More, Faith no More record, but I don't think that holds up. Uh, oh, wait, is that King for a Day? I think that is King for a Day. Yeah. I, I, I do notice people love that record, and I was so disappointed by it because it wasn't Angel Dust, and it's still hard for me to love, even though there are songs on there that I like. Do you like that record? I'm I'm really not a huge Faith No More fan. I, I'm, okay. I, you know, I appreciate their kind of like, weirdness and uh, you know eclecticism but yeah. like i'm yeah I'm, I'm not a huge fan all right uh and then he mentions no doubt he came to it later in the came to it later category brandon mentions the makers the drags april march morphine ben folds super suckers manor astroman uh and all the uh the woo solo projects he says he and then he breaks down even further the important then but not now category no means no. I think I saw no means no about two dozen times accidentally <laughs> throughout those years. <laughs> uh, blink face to face. Hey, Victorville Primus and 311. I guess he doesn't like Primus now, Job. So you guys are at odds there. I thought for sure Brandon would still be a fan, but I guess not. Oh, well, Eddie, Eddie just shouted out Chuck. <laughs> and speaking of Chris, uh, we I just was uh, exchanging some messages with him and he is promising a new defacist single soon. Uh, Hillary mentions Radiohead, Melancholy, Medusa, Jayhawks, and Alice in Chains. And uh, you can find nearly all our listener picks along with our own at the Spotify profile at The Ringing Ear. So are we are we done or are we doing a, a wager today? We've talked about minor changes, and one of the minor changes is doing sort of mini reviews. I guess the question is, do we do a Spotify wager? And maybe the best thing to do, Joe, but I haven't mentioned this to you off here. But maybe the best thing to do is to try it out. Let's not do a wager and just see how it goes. All right. 
Well, that sounds fine to me. Well, well, I forgot how we do this. Do we do our uh, closing <laughs> and then end with the uh, band? Is that yes. what we do? Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, everybody, it, I'm, I'm happy to report that there are some people out there who have subscribed to the show. Uh, that's how they get their notifications when we have new episodes out. So if you're not subscribed, get on there. Get get that taken care of. Don't leave that hanging over your head. You'll feel guilty in the long run. Trust me. <laughs> yes. uh, so you uh, like, subscribe, rate, and review. Just, you know, give us some love. We deeply appreciate it. Uh, follow us on social media uh, at The Ringing Ear on Twitter. The Ringing Ear page on Facebook, of course, where most of you reside. Uh, you can follow us individually at Books of Job on Twitter at Jeff Nail. Jeff will welcome you in a weirdly creepy way. And uh, what? <laughs> you told me it was nice to have me. That was so weird. That yet yeah, you're weird. You're weird. <laughs> that was incredibly I mean, weird. I was I glad to have you. you. I'm just saying, hey, it's I, good to hear from you. And you're like, why are you being weird? <laughs> That was really, really weird. Well, out of, out of curiosity, how often do you imagine I I am on Twitter? Well, I figure at, at regular intervals, you have to make all the messages I send you go away. So I imagine maybe a couple times a week. Okay. Okay. I see. Are you on more I, than that? I you I you just I you must have me muted. I see how it is. That's fine. I, I, it's true. I don't see you very often. Well, yeah, you know, uh, this would sound bad if people didn't understand what my work is like, uh, but it's not as bad as it sounds. My uh, my my routine when I get to work is I sit down, I log into all my bullshit for work, and then I pull up a private browser window and I open Twitter and Facebook, my Google Drive and all the shit that I do when I'm not working. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't tweet every night. I don't even reply. You know, I don't do much but i read twitter and you know look at twitter pretty much every every night oh so that's why it was weird i don't see you a lot i don't know why i just figure you don't you're not on that often but you know anyway we're on twitter follow us on twitter come say hi Uh, why aren't more people we know on twitter i don't understand i don't know it's actually in a way it's a my my biggest part of my life that's social media and yeah uh, it's it's mostly engaging with strangers yep yep Oh, well, uh, we're there. If you want to come say hi, we'd love to have you. Um, (laughs) um, uh, What else? What are we forgetting? What are we forgetting? Next time. What are we doing next time? Should we decide now or or later? Uh, I don't know. I I have to tell you, one of the great surprises of these these surveys is how popular Three Songs About X is. I had no idea. Well, at the top of our potential episodes list is controversy. We could do controversial songs, I guess. Or I was actually thinking we could do our kids' songs again because our kids are older now. You could even do Alistair, possibly. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I was actually contemplating doing a, uh, an episode. Yeah, that would be fine. I could totally do Alistair. Um, Maybe we'll do you're, that. You're, you're probably going to hate every song on that list, so that'll be fun. <laughs> well, and Henry, I think I might do... Sam would probably rather hit him, but I could definitely do Henry because it's such a mix uh, but probably not. <laughs> He's going through a major Michael Jackson phase right now. <laughs> so not really sure how to feel about that. Well, let's let's figure out our next episode off air, I guess. And unless someone has some uh, some really great uh, or even some not really great suggestions, let hey, us know. Yeah, we're we're always open to suggestions. <laughs> uh, Robbie made a suggestion to actually a couple uh, suggestions. But the last let me Oh wait, hang on. Let me see. One of them. 
he said we should allow each other to look through our music collections and pick out the three. Oh, yeah. Three selections of each other's that we hated the most and basically just roasting each other about how shitty <laughs> our taste in music is. He said that would be yeah. very enjoyable to him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, like and just then, go through your favorite Spotify songs or something or Apple Music or whatever. Yeah. He said you should do a Skeletons in the Closet segment where one of you talks about a band you used to love. Uh huh. Your guilty pleasure episode didn't go far enough because you both named popular songs from top 40 artists, if I remember correctly. Well, here we go. That's where dancehall crashers belong then, for sure. Because the examples he gives are sublime and corn. Uh-huh. Yeah, I had both those. I Definitely. Yeah. Well, we I, I don't know. I, we we did kind of did that already because I think that might have been when we talked about, uh, like, I remember I used to like Aerosmith so much. Well, yeah. And now I can't. I can barely stand to listen to him. That might be something... Uh, find a good song from a band you hate or you used to you like now you hate because god man finding a good aerosmith song would be quite the chore for me yeah yeah same <laughs> i don't know well uh, if this doesn't get cut out and makes it to air uh, if you have any suggestions be sure to to put them uh, on social media somewhere yes we'll, please we'll definitely consider all all suggestions also, don't forget to visit uh, killbarnmusic.com as per usual. There are technically things there. Reviews, photos, links. There's one new review up right now. There will be a- another one here shortly. We're going to have uh, an, uh, we're going to have one uh, new interview there. We're going to ha- start having text interviews on occasion. So there will be content. And then once concerts get started, oh, thank God, we can yeah. actually post more stuff still. So it's killboringmusic.com not dead yet that's our new logo <laughs> unsigned artist spotlight this week is mouth breather and mm-hmm. I, I don't honestly know a whole lot about them but uh this is a, a case in my opinion this is a case to be made of why finding unsigned artists can be tricky sometimes because i find it hard to believe these guys are not signed although i couldn't find any label information uh-huh. Uh, what did you think about Mouth Breather? Definitely knows what they're doing. Uh, they, they're dedicated to it. It's not really for me. It's a little more, I guess the word is petulant. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to take that. You know, it's like it's like um, Slipknot in, in that sense where it's a lot. Yeah. There is a lot. It's it's a lot of layers, and it's, it's kind of too much for me in one sitting. And boy, do I feel old just saying that. Well, maybe you are. I like it. I liked it a lot. It it just uh, the the intensity, the heaviness. It's it's all all check marks that I uh, I like to check off. So, and the song was called Cotton Shot. This was their new single. They just came out with, I believe, a month or two ago. Okay. So, uh, I also love the cover for it. Did you see the cover? The drawing. Is it a clown or something? Sort of. It looks like a cross between an evil clown and a Cheshire cat or something. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, like yeah, I say, I, it's, I a it. <laughs> it's a yeah, lot. It's a lot. I don't know how uh, anyone listening will dig it, but hopefully they do. And uh, that pretty much does it for us. So playing us out with Cotton Shot is Mouth Breather. I am Joby. This, and I am Jeff. And uh, I don't know if we're going to keep saying the same old bullshit, but this is uh, the Ring and Ear podcast. So uh, by God. You know, the thing. The thing? Kill kill the boring? Yeah, well, sure. Uh, Yeah, slaughter... Slay the simple. Slaughter the simple. (laughs) Slaughter simple. Slay the mundane, yeah. Yeah, and and for the the love of God... Uh, Make sure to keep your ears ringing. Yeah, some shit. You guys know the drill. 
If you don't know this by now, fuck. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I gotta go. All right, bye.